Merry Christmas. I would like to say like we do at Easter. At Easter we usually say, he is risen or Christ is risen and we all would say, Christ is born. Christ is born indeed. What a beautiful privilege and opportunity to have Christmas on Sabbath. I, I looked back and uh, the last time a Sabbath and Christmas Day happened was 2010. And I could not remember if people come to church on Christmas Day. You are those people who do come. So thank you for being here today. What, great, what better place to be than church on Christmas Day and celebrate that Christ is born. We have been in a sermon series during the Advent season called The Advent Tree. You'll see the genealogy of Jesus from Matthew chapter 1 there. Uh, and we studied various characters in the genealogy of Jesus. For our Advent blog, if you've uh, followed that, we've had a number of you for the 24 days leading up to Christmas Eve yesterday write about characters from this genealogy of Jesus. We've had interesting characters. We've had women that is listed in the genealogy, which is different and unique because usually that would not happen. And there are nobodies in this list that we've never heard about. The genealogy of Jesus can be a really boring, boring part. <laughs> when you open up your Bible and it begins, Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac was the father of the... Not the most exciting parts in scripture. And yet, as we had seen through the series, there is profoundness in the list of people in this genealogy. And we find that this genealogy is only in Matthew and in Luke, which is interesting. Mark and John does not have a genealogy of Jesus. Of course, as many scholars have pointed out, you could summarize the book of Matthew uh, using Old Testament quotes from the prophets. The book of Matthew says, behold your king. Whereas the book of Mark says, behold my servant. And the book of Luke would say, behold the man, Jesus. And then John would say, behold your God. And so as you look at this list, of course, a servant does not need a genealogy. And also, God does not need a genealogy. And so we find the genealogies only in Matthew, where a king needs to have a good genealogy and show their royalty, and in Luke, where this man, this human Jesus, needs a genealogy. And so that's why we find it only in Matthew and in Luke. The one on our uh, branding for the sermon series is from, uh, from Matthew. But as we look at the gospel, I think even though this is a boring part of scripture, there's something really simple and profound that we find in these two genealogies when we put them side by side uh, in the large scope of the gospels. And we're going to look at that today on Christmas Sabbath. Matthew chapter 1 verse 18 kind of summarizes the genealogy of Jesus and what I want to share with you today uh, in, in, in this short verse. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. 
And so here you have Mary, human, and you have the Holy Spirit, divine, coming together for this creation. And as you keep this passage, Mary and Holy Spirit in mind, and you look at the genealogies, it's okay if you cannot read them because the small print here does not matter too much. But as you just look at the genealogies side by side, we have Mary's genealogy, the human genealogy, and then we have the Holy Spirit genealogy, the divine one. We have Mary's genealogy that is natural birth, it's natural lineage. And then we have the, the Holy Spirit one where we have spirit birth. So you have natural and you have spirit. You have human and you have royal. And you have these two side by side. And together, I think, they tell a profound story. If you take this genealogy and go from the big list and... and uh, um, Oops, sorry, I went the wrong way. And if you, if you narrow down and take out a lot of the names, you will see then that from Adam all the way to David, the list is fairly similar, but then it splits. And then you see Nathan, and then you see Solomon listed. Uh, Solomon in Matthew, and Nathan in Luke. And Luke is concerned about the man Jesus, the human Jesus. And so it does not go through the royal lineage, but it goes through Nathan's lineage. And it goes all the way down to Jesus. Whereas on the other side, from David where it splits in Matthew, it goes down through Solomon, the king, and it's the royal lineage going down all the way. And so you could summarize it as Luke the genealogy of Mary, <laughs> and Matthew, the genealogy of the Holy Spirit. It is a little more complicated, but for our purpose today, that is where we are. The interesting thing is that if you put this, these two genealogies side, to, side by side and then go to a story in the Gospel of John, who does not have a genealogy, although we heard the genealogy read so beautifully by the Cordornings family, thank you. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God, right? That is a genealogy of sorts. But if you go to the story of John chapter 3, where Nicodemus, a teacher, comes to Jesus at night, showing there's darkness. Remember, the Gospel of John is about light and darkness. If you go to that story, we find something interesting that speaks into the Gospels and this idea of the genealogy of Mary and the genealogy of the Holy Spirit. You will remember the story. Nicodemus comes to Jesus and asks him, essentially, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And what does Jesus say? In John chapter 3, verse 5 to 6, we find this. Jesus answered Nicodemus, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. No one can, be, can enter the kingdom without being born of water and spirit. What, what is born of flesh is flesh, and what is born of spirit is spirit. Now, I did grow up as a very good Seventh-day Adventist child. My parents even worked for the church. The Bible studies that I learned about John chapter 3... Hopefully yours was different, but the Bible studies I learned about John chapter 3 said that that text means we need to be baptized by water, right? And by the Spirit, which you'll receive at your water baptism. Everybody with me still? That's at least how, how I was raised. 
And it was only uh, when I went to college and studied this passage that Pastor Jerry Joubert, who was my teacher, showed me a new way of thinking about this and what it really, the Bible really says. The water that Jesus is referring to in this uh, interaction with Nicodemus does not refer to baptism. That is, in fact, what spirit refers to. Just because the word water pops out of us, we want to make sure everybody gets baptized, so we're going to take this text and proof text people into the church because we need to get them baptized. Sorry if that's too much on Christmas Day. (laughs) This is the misunderstanding I grew up with, but there's this beautiful, what they call a chiasm, uh, that happens When you look at this text, it is actually quite clear right in front of our own eyes. Jesus says, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God uh, without being born of water and born of spirit. Born of water, what is born of flesh is flesh, and what is born of spirit is spirit, which is why we've got the blue and the red together there. What is born of water is natural childbirth. When the water breaks, everybody with me still? Okay, so being born of water is when, maybe that's too much to do this, for those of you who have witnessed or experienced that, when the water breaks, what Jesus is telling Nicodemus in this conversation is very important. You have to be born naturally if you want to enter the kingdom of God. You have to be human. You got to be born. Just the simple, basic life. And then you have to be born by the Spirit. What is born of Spirit is Spirit. When Jesus is baptized, by the way, what happens? The Spirit descends on Jesus. And so if we are doing Bible studies about baptism, born of water is not Baptism, born of water is natural birth, and born of the Spirit is baptism. Everybody with me? I don't know if this strikes you as profound. I was so glad for my college professor teaching me that, and for 20 years now of doing Bible studies, this is what I teach. It's what the Bible says, and it makes sense, but it is also simple and profound. Because as you now look at the two genealogies in Luke and in Matthew, we see that it splits down and that we have no one can enter the kingdom of God without water and the Spirit. And when you put these side by side, we see that the genealogy in Luke tells us about Mary and this human thing we call life that God gifts us with. And then God invites us into the Holy Spirit life, not just the human fleshly life. We are flesh, and flesh is good, and God blesses that, but God invites us into spirit, and that is what Christmas is about. We are born of water and born of spirit. We are born, and we are born again. Is what John chapter 3 says. No one can enter the kingdom of God without being born and being born again. Or the word born again can be translated as born from above or born anew. 
Why do we need to be born from above and born anew? Parker Palmer tells this really interesting story, this beautiful story of a family who had a three, almost four-year-old, a three-year-old, and they had a new uh, baby that was going to arrive. And the, the little girl in the family, the three-year-old girl, she, she was so excited about it, she could not wait for a little baby brother to be born. <laughs> And they get ready and whatever, and they go to the hospital, and once they come back, uh, this, this, this Lord, Lord is just so excited to see her three-day-old baby brother. And the, she wanted to, to just hug him and kiss him and do, you know, all these kind of things, and then they went to put the new baby boy in their room, behind the door, in the crib. And the three-year-old, as Parker Palmer tells the story, the three-year-old had a unique request. Uh, I want to be in the room with my baby brother all by himself. The parents went like, wait a minute, <laughs> what is this about? Uh, why, why does the three-year-old want to be, to, to be in the room all by herself with the baby brother without the parents? This, is, uh, this does not add up, really. And then they remembered that they had the baby monitor, all, you know, those kind of things in the crib and everything, and they're like, okay, this three-year-old is so excited about her new baby brother, and, and we, will, we will have this request, grant that to her, that she can go into the room. So she goes into the room. They run to the monitor to hear what is going on, fearing what's going to happen. And the little three-year-old goes into uh, the room and leans over the crib and talks to her little baby brother and says, can you remind me about God? Because I have forgotten. Can you remind me about God because I have forgotten? In the simplicity of a child's faith, understanding that when we are born, as we are born and we, 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 we grow up, we, be, we begin to understand ourselves and get to be separated from, from our parents and all of this. And she had a sense at three-year-old already that, that as we go on in our life, not just physically but spiritually, there's, there's this separation that happens. Can you remind me about God because I'd forgotten? We must be born and we must be born again and again and again and again. We live the life in the flesh and we live the life in the spirit. So Jesus says you have to be born of water and you have to be born of spirit. But we should not forget Joseph in this story. Joseph plays a key role in the advent of God and in the incarnation. You know the story well, where Joseph is confronted with the news that Mary is pregnant and they've not been together. And the thing that you're supposed to do, according to the Deuteronomic law, is to go your separate ways publicly, and to do this publicly would be a disgrace, and so Joseph decides to do the honorable thing, which is to do it quietly. And so we look at that and think, wow, Joseph was a righteous man, and he was just going to quietly do it. Uh, Marjorie Ellenwood wrote a brilliant piece on this on the Advent blog, by the way, go read, it, read about it. But what really uh, is at the heart of Joseph's righteousness is that he opened his, 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 
his life to God and God's leading because quietly leaving Mary would have been one thing. But God invites Joseph to adopt God's very own son born in conspicuous circumstances. God invites Joseph to open his heart to the Spirit to take this, this, this woman that he loves and that everybody will look at and ridicule and say bad things about. And God invites him into that. And Joseph, our beloved Joseph, embraces this impossible possibility that they will birth the, child, the Son of God. And he embraces this. And Joseph adopts Jesus. You have to be born of water and you have to be born of spirit. There's natural children and there's children who are adopted by the love of a parent. And then we go to John 1, verse 12, uh, 1 John 1, verse 12. Say, yet to all who did receive him, to those who believe in his name, God gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. Joseph adopts God's son as his own and through Joseph's courageous act of opening his life to the Spirit, we have the ability and the opportunity to be adopted as God's children, to be born of God. And so as we look at these genealogies, these boring list of names, we find this simple yet profound thing that our lives and our lives, God is calling us to live our human lives as humanly best as we can as Jesus had exemplified for us through, through love and grace and peace and also to live our lives by the Holy Spirit, by the power of the Holy Spirit that transforms humanness into divineness. We are not divine, but we are invited into the divine-like life. Isn't that beautiful? Born of water and born of spirit. And the interesting thing is the, the Apostle Paul picks up this idea in the New Testament. He simply calls it being in Christ. And he says, there's this dying to the old and this rising to the new. That is his version of being born again, being born from above, being born by the Spirit. So as we look at the genealogy in Luke, we see born of water, being born, this dying to the old, and then this rising with Christ. As I think about this genealogy, beautiful story, Mr. God, this is Anna. Have any of you read this? Some have. It is a beautiful, beautiful story. It's a story about uh, a guy named Finn. Apparently, it is uh, based on, 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 on real life. I Googled it and Wikipedia told me it is. <laughs> Uh, I read this book when I was younger, and it was just so profound. Finn, uh, it's in the 1930s, east end of London, and Finn uh, goes to work. Between, between work, I think, uh, he sat down. There was this young girl who was four or five, I believe, at the time. Uh, and he just goes, sits with her and interacts with her and have this dialogue, and he gets to know that her name is Anna. And the more that they talk, they just, they, they, they kind of, um, you know, click together here, and he finds out that... Um, she doesn't have a home. 
and later we find out that there's a history of abuse. And so what Finn does is he takes Anna and he adopts her as his own and she lives with his family. And this little Anna had just this brilliant mind and was in tune with the spirit and she had these amazing little pieces of wisdom that she would respond to all the big questions in life. She was a little theologian, a little philosopher, a little artist. Uh, and so Finn takes her in and together they do this life that is touched by the divine. And here's something that she said about the incarnation as they talk about what Jesus came to do and who he is. And she said, you'll see the writing is also uh, spelled weirdly. This is Anna talking about the incarnation. But when the little God grew up, he got so big that nobody could see him and all the people took the pretty things and said, this is mine. Of course, they wasn't, but that uh, is what they said. And then they got greedy and greedy and start to hit each other and throw stones and make bombs. Because the little, because the little God grew up and got so big that they couldn't see him and they nearly forgot him. And they make bombs and guns and a lot of people is in hurt and it is very silly because Mr. God is much bigger than statues. <laughs> well, Mr. God loves people very much. So he says, I know what, people can't see me because I'm too big. So I will send my little baby boy who is just the right size. So he sent his little baby boy who is called Jesus to a lady called Mary to look after. And Mr. God says, that is all right now. Jesus is just the right size. And you would think that was the end, would you not? <laughs> after all the trouble Mr. God took, would, would not you? <laughs> but it wasn't, oh no. When Jesus was a man, he started to tell all the people about Mr. God, but a lot of people didn't want to hear because first, Mr. God was too big, and then he was too little, and people are exasperating. <laughs> they don't know what they want. And Jesus keep on telling the people, you have to become little, born again, you have to become little, or you won't know. And they want to be big already, and you can't because fancy being born full size. Okay, Nicodemus. <laughs> then a lot of people court Jesus and put nails in him. <laughs> and they stuck him in a tree and stuck swords in him, and then he was dead. All because he wasn't big enough. This big God of ours became little so that we can have a big, spirit-filled life. And Advent leads us to that. And today on Christmas Day, we celebrate that we are born of water. We are alive. You should say amen. amen. Life is hard. Life is beautiful. Life is a mess. Life is about celebration, and it's all of that. And we can thank God for this life. 
And on Christmas Day, God says, I give you my spirit. Be born from above. Be born anew. Be born again. Let the human touch the divine in your life. That is what Christmas Day is all about. And so we live from Christmas to Christmas, witnessing to the divine and the human coming together to have this beautiful mess we called being followers of Jesus. That is Christmas Day. And to use the words of Bishop John Shelby Spong, he says, the Christmas stories assert that there is a place in this world where God and human life come together. We call it Bethlehem. However, it is not an external town located on a map, but a place deep within each of us. May we be born of water. Well, you already are. Congratulations. <laughs> May you marvel in being born of water. And may you open your life to the gift of the Spirit. May Christ be born in us. Amen.